Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. All right, Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf and online at sunburymotors.com. Well, you want to talk about great product lines? How about Ford, Lincoln, Kia, Hyundai? Sunbury Motors has them all. You may love pre-owned inventory. Maybe your budget loves pre-owned inventory. They have the best selection of pre-owned inventory anywhere that carries with it the Sunbury Motors Guarantee. Fabulous service department as well. Great sales staff. Great deals to be had. All at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf and online at sunburymotors.com. Mark Brennan from Fight on State 24-7 Sports in a few moments. But first, our play-by-play call of the day, a slice of the Alamo. Thompson with a snap, fakes to Robs now sets it back, a screen to Bijan. Down the sideline, Bijan to the 20, 15, 10, 5, say goodnight to it. Touchdown, Bijan Robinson. He scores again his second receiving touchdown of the night to go with his rushing touchdown, his third score of the game, and the Longhorns once more have opened it back up. Bijan Robinson is an exciting player. An exciting player. That is also the outstanding Craig Way, who does great work on the Texas Longhorn Radio Network. As last night, it was really a walk away. Texas won it with relative ease last night. They end up 9-3, and three. although Sam Ellinger did get hurt in the first half of that game, hurting his shoulder. Whether he comes back for another year remains to be seen. All right, let's uh, bring in Mark Brennan, Fight on State 24-7 Sports. Mark, to you, you and Stacy and Grace, Happy New Year. It's great to have you with us. Yeah, right back at you, and uh, to you and T. Frank as well, and, and all of your uh, loved ones. Yeah, I appreciate that very much. Um, all right, so we're in a, a critical 20 days of Penn State football because I think that the draft declaration is the 18th of January so we're right in that 20 day span right now between the draft and other decisions where people will declare uh, so they have a couple of transfers so far which you and I both know is the game you got to play these days you have no choice yep. and because of basketball you and I do a lot of basketball this is something we're used to so what do you think about this 20-day span, and what do you think about the two transfers they do at least have so far that have declared? Yeah, well, listen, you get a, a, a grad transfer running back uh, from Baylor, you know, th- there's really no, – that doesn't hurt anything whatsoever. I know people say, well, you're so loaded at running back at Penn State. All you had to do is look at this season. I mean, how quickly do people forget that – you're down to your fourth and fifth string running backs this year so that doesn't and it doesn't hurt your numbers uh recruiting wise for next year obviously because this kid's going to come in and only be here for one year right and and then the db i mean obviously steve you know they need help at at defensive back um you know Tariq castro fields i think has a decision to make here uh you know on whether he takes the extra year uh or not from my perspective 
I think it would make a ton of sense if he did. Mm-hmm. You know, a guy a guy like Shane Simmons, you know, 23 years old, nothing against Shane, nothing but a great representative of the program, but now it's time for him to go do something else. Right. We've kind of seen what he could do on the field, even Antonio Shelton deciding to go somewhere else. But to me, Tariq Castro Field been bumped up the last two years. I think he's a guy who can still really prove some things. I yeah. really do. Uh, but having with that said, you're not sure what his situation is. So, yeah, you're going to try to get some, some help at defensive back. And I think the, the area to, to keep an eye on in the next maybe four, five, six days is going to be line. I, I would not be surprised right. if they bring in a couple of defensive linemen. I mean, obviously you look at what they're losing at DN. Uh, with OA and uh, Shaka both heading off to the draft. Uh, they're going to need some help there. And, you know, I don't know that D-tackle is as big of an issue. Again, not a knock on Judge Culpepper, but I'm not sure that he was going to factor in kind of to the starting rotation. And I think they were probably already figuring that Shelton was going to leave. But if you look back the last few years, a lot of those DNs that they recruited, Guys like Akeem Beeman, they, they grew into defensive tackle. That's right. So I think they're going to be fine at defensive tackle. But look too. for them to add some, some, some muscle along the D-line. And it is. It's all new. It, it was cool, you know, talking to Andy Frank and Terry Smith and, and Tyler Bowen, you know, about this. Because it's, you know, in talking to Terry Smith, it's like, well, are you in charge of, you know, the recruiting of the grad transfers and or of the transfers. You don't even have to say grad transfer anymore. Right, guys transfer. Can just transfer. Right. Yeah, and he was like, well, yeah, I guess I am. So this is all new to everybody. But, listen, I can tell you for a site like ours, it's tremendous because it keeps people interested in the program. There's no question about that. Uh, and there are going to be a couple of key guys that will help them with decisions. Now, you talk about defensive end certainly is one. But guys like Smith Vilbert, what do you think of him? Amin Vanover, what do you think of him? You know, I mean, you know, what do you think of Bryce Mostella? What do you, you know? There are a lot of guys that what do you think of that? Now, right. This is their job. As you know, what do you think of them? And do we need immediate help now? What about the idea in basketball? You and I both know, Mark. The idea, a lot of ways, is to stay older. And as we mentioned, Kentucky. I mentioned this earlier in the show. Even Kentucky basketball. Nate's Sistina last year. Bucknell, they wanted an older player. Yeah. Okay? This year, Olivier Sartre, they wanted an older player. Now, they're one and six. Not working so well. No, yeah, not, not working, working so, so well. well but but even John Calipari, you know, my point is, understands yeah. that, hey, look, you can't just be all kids. Penn State's a young team. Uh, do some of the guys that we're talking about keep them older in some, in some ways, not just as stop gaps, but really help them currently? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it, listen, you mentioned all those guys at DN. I mean, I think all of those guys have significant upside. Yes. But, you know, you look at a guy like Mostella, I mean, I think he's still a year away. Yeah. I, I, you know, exactly. he's so skinny that I don't know that he's going to be. But, but, yeah, so that's where if you can bring in some older players, I think that, that that's awesome. And this is where. And it, you know, buy, and it the, buys a couple of those guys time. That's the point. Right. And one of the unsung heroes in this program, and I'm not just saying this to, to, to be nice to him, but you know this as well as anybody, is Andy Frank. Yes. Because now you go from not just being uh, organizing you know, high school recruiting, but now you're almost like an NFL kind of GM type person where you have to keep an eye out on all these other programs or have people keeping an yeah. eye out. And it comes down to things like roster management. I mean, this is what we're talking about at this point. No so doubt. it used to be that this stuff could all be done 
on a year-by-year basis, bringing in players, maybe get a transfer here or there. But now it's completely different. You have to manage your roster with guys coming and going. And that's just it's it's the way it is. But I will say this. I think when you have a guy, and a lot of people don't know Andy Frank because he's a behind-the-scenes guy. Sure. He doesn't seek out the publicity. He talks to us once a year when they force him to on, on, <laughs> on signing day. But he know, he is the, the mad scientist pushing all the buttons behind on all this personnel stuff. Anybody who is at the stadium on game day sees him handling all the recruiting stuff back during normal times and knows what he's about at camps and everything else so guys like that and that whole staff that whole recruiting staff and that's the other funny thing it's like people say why do they have all these people i look in the media guy look at all these people on the staff it's, it's different this isn't 10 years ago this isn't 15 years ago if you want to keep up with everybody else you need that many people to keep track of high school prospects, of prospects at other college programs. I mean, now you really need people scouting other college teams during the year. You, you actually, think about uh, an NFL yeah, staff. To, yeah. to, to be honest with you, Mark, I think actually you need to expand the staff because of it. Now, I'm not saying right. by, by 20 people, by like two, three extra people, you need people in there whose job is to look at that part of it because it's critical. I mean, you're trying to make an investment in what makes you money. Right, and think about an NFL team. NFL teams have scouts that all they do is scout other NFL teams. That's right. So people people think of NFL scouts, they think, oh, the guys who are showing up at college games and viewing college tape, well, that's not just it. There's a whole other aspect of NFL. Now, in the NFL, there's only, what, 30 other teams or whatever it is. Right. In college football, there's a hundred and however many that you better keep an eye on. And it's not just at the major college level. No, it's 129, I mean, we, 129 others. Then you may even look at an FCS guy that's exceptional. Right. So you never know who, how many times do we see in the NFL draft where somebody has just come out of nowhere and ends up being a tremendous player. So it's, it's a whole different ball game. And it's fun to talk about this stuff. I mean, it's, it's, uh, you know, after a season with no bowl, to have all this stuff to kind of be juggling and keeping us on the, on our toes, it's it's actually pretty fun. Yeah, and in the next twenty days, will then shape what whatever they want to do in the early signing period in February. But the next twenty days is going to shape how it goes because at that point, guys will have either declared for the draft or let's face it, semesters are starting. Some people want to transfer and get to their place ASAP. Yeah, and that's I'm you know I'm also anxious to see some of the other. Uh, you know, the, the other senior that I, I would look at that I think might be able to help himself coming back is Brisker. I, you know, I really do. I know that he's agreed to play in the Senior Bowl, but, you know, as as well as he was playing at the end of the year, I think he could even take it up another level. So I'm anxious to keep an eye on that and see uh, what he his decision is. But Tariq Castro-Field, I really think, yeah. I think that's a guy who could really help himself, provided he could stay on healthy, knock on wood. I mean, you know that yeah. we're objective. Uh, we, I have to be objective in what I do, but I'm always going to root for guys to not to, to stay as healthy as possible so we can finally see what he's able to do, which right. we haven't been able to do the last couple yeah, of years. And, it's, it's, you know, and I've, got, I've obviously been around Tariq a lot. And, I, you know, I, genuinely I like him. I mean, just genuinely like him. That's why I, I hope whatever happens he can get a shot at the next level just for him. I just want that well, for him. See, yeah, to see the way he carried himself this year, Steve, I thought was tremendous. Yep. You know, it, it, it's 
He warmed up for games. He clearly wasn't ready for to go. So what did he do? Changed up. Then he became a coach on the on the sideline. He could have sat there and moped, and he didn't do it. Nope. He went out there and listen. You know, we saw seniors on teams that were struggling opting out, even when they weren't banged up. You know, he could have easily said, "You know what? I'm done with this." He did. Guess what? He knew that there were young DBs there who needed help. And guess what? Number two, those young DBs by and large, got better and better, especially yes, the corners, yes, especially the corners that he dealt with. I mean, obviously, Joey Porter Jr., I thought, just was terrific by the end of the year. And Keith Ellis, after being slowed down for part of the year, I thought he really started to come along. Yep. Marquise Wilson maybe been up and down a little bit. Yep. But I think that to have that that leadership factor of Tariq Castro Field, that yep. buy-in, from a guy, I think was really important. And I thought Daquan Hardy got better the last couple yeah, of games. Yeah, uh, I mean, absolutely. He should have I had mean, two, should have had two picks, Daquan. <laughs> but that's a yeah, different story. Well, and then I mean, uh, you know, his ability to to to, to, to play that star position and yeah. blitz and ha- do that, I think that really bodes well. Yeah, I'm sorry I left him out. That class from uh, 2019 mm-hmm. of corners, wow, what a class that was. All right, so now uh, the NFL, if you have a lousy record, Jacksonville Jaguars, you get the opportunity to get Trevor Lawrence. Uh, in the NFL, if you're the Jacksonville Jaguars, you're going to get a last-place schedule for next year. All right, So you can start closing some gaps. You may not make the playoffs, but you may maybe close a gap. College football, you have a great year. Usually you end up getting a great recruiting class. Okay? So parity is not built into the college game. So now we get to the tricky part. Do you expand the college football playoff? Now, financially, you really, I mean, I can't see more money until 2025. But do you expand the college football playoff with the idea with, A, maybe creating more parity because now there are more teams, obviously, in the playoff that people can look at, and, two, to put more punch into these bowl games and prevent opt-outs? Yeah, I mean, I would definitely do it. And, you know, I don't know. This may – I mean, obviously this isn't the greatest year to to use as an example, only because I think we're basically looking at two teams that are better head and shoulders above – I don't know if, if anybody else agrees with me with that. Uh, but, yeah, I think absolutely having eight teams would be the way to go. I, I to, to me, it's almost a no-brainer. Uh, for the reasons that, that you talk about. I mean, we started to see it last year with guys opting out. You know, just because they were, you know, quote unquote, bumped up or something, uh, I just think you're going to see more and more of that. And I think to have that carrot there at the end to possibly play for a championship does nothing but help. Yeah, I, because uh, I mean, do those Florida receivers and the tight end pits do they opt out if Florida's in the playoff? Right. Yeah. Absolutely not. No. And I, I, because I don't think there has ever been in the playoff an opt out. Uh, I don't. I can't. Recall I don't the think block. there's ever been an opt out in the play. That's why, to be honest with you, I said <laughs> this may not be popular, but I mean, I I always was a proponent of eight. From as you know, you go, you and I go way back. Yeah. I was always a proponent of eight, always. But you had to be happy with two. Okay, great. Then I was like, well, okay, four. Um, but I think it's got to be ten or twelve. And the reason I think it's got to be ten or twelve, I think you got to somehow spread the wealth here. And, and put some more punch into the into the postseason. Well, I'd like to see them walk before they run. I guess I'd, I'd like to see them prove that they can do eight effectively. Yeah. Before expanding it more, but I get I get what, what what you're saying. I mean, look at the. I mean, all you have to do is look at the NCAA basketball tournament yep. and and what that does 
for people. Now, obviously, college basketball is a lot different. You know, you have guys leaving much earlier. But still, so long as somebody's eligible or their team's uh, in the hunt for an NCAA tournament, you rarely see guys taking off. No. In fact, there never, there's never been an opt-out in the NCAA tournament. Yeah. Never has been. Now, have there been opt-outs in the NIT? Yes. Okay, there have been a couple of guys in the NIT that have opt-out. Not many, but just a couple. But there's never been one in the NCAA. I'm just, you know, and I think the New Year's Six Bowl games need this, to be honest with you. If I'm a New Year's Six Bowl game, and I, you know, and I'm sitting there uh, in this particular year, I'm one of the four on the outside looking in. I'm looking around saying, okay, i got to wait my two years, and then, uh, then I'm finally going to get, get the game. Uh, and I think that they need it as badly as anybody. Yeah, I think if you go back to the Fiesta Bowl, I mean, you know, Saquon Barkley played in that game. Yep. But it, he wasn't a full go in that game, which was completely understandable. It, right. it didn't hurt that he had a guy named Miles Sanders, you know, playing right. behind him. But, uh, yeah, so I think that they were actually fortunate that Saquon still decided to play in, in that game. I, and I mean fortunate they, the, the Fiesta Bowl. I think they were fortunate that Saquon decided to play in that game. I mean, it obviously helped Penn State as well. But I think it helps the bowl game too. Right. KJ and Yitor both played in the Cotton Bowl last year, yeah. uh, and they were utilized in somewhat the same way. I mean, I, I, you know, I, I think they're, I think you know, they've been smart about how they've, they've guys have played, but they've also been utilized in a smart way. You know, in other words, okay, thank you for doing this. We're going to make sure we don't overuse you either. So. Mark, to you and your family, uh, Happy New Year. Thank you so much for all the contributions for us this entire year. Mark Brendan from Fight on State, 24-7 Sports. And we do appreciate every time he's on. He always, Mark has always presented himself, whether it's TV, radio. Uh, he's always been well-spoken, always. Uh, he really is terrific at it, to be honest with you. And it's always great when we can get him on the show. And I appreciate that very much. All right. We will come back with more in a moment. Great to have you with us today. Brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia, Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. On News Radio 1070 WKLK. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Sunbury Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle is worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC Way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC Way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC Way. The SMC Way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. All right, great to have you with us. Somebody actually sent me a picture of uh, Boathouse Row on uh, in Philadelphia. Anytime you drive down, that is gorgeous. 
just gorgeous. Always love Boathouse Row. All right. Great to have you with us on the show today. Brought to you by Sunbury Motors. 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf and online at sunburymotors.com. Start your new year in a Ford, or you can start your new year in a Lincoln, or start your new year in a Kia, or start your new year in a Hyundai, or start your new year in a new car that may have been pre-owned but comes with a Sunbury Motors guarantee. It's all at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia, Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Taking your calls at 800 795 9565. This is The Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Today's show brought to you by our great friends at Sunbury Motors. 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. Ford Lincoln Kia Hyundai, what a great way to start the new year, huh? With a brand new vehicle. Ford Lincoln Kia Hyundai, can't go wrong with any of them. Eh, maybe the budget says, eh, you know what? Maybe pre-owned inventory. Well, you're not going to get a better selection of pre-owned inventory. It also comes with the Sunbury Motors guarantee and a fabulous service department, great sales staff, and it's all at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf and online at sunburymotors.com. All right, great to have you with us on the show today. Um, the uh, Cotton Bowls tonight, it's Oklahoma and Florida. On the surface, terrific matchup. And again, the problem you're entering into are opt-outs. Uh, I think, you know, Mark made, I think, a good point uh, about slowly getting to this, but I I don't think they can slow walk this about adding teams to the playoff. And look, you're not gonna get any, you're not gonna get extra money now in all likelihood. Unless you sell off a but I don't know what the contract is about the exclusivity ESPN has. I don't know if you can add games to this thing and then suddenly have Fox bid for it. I don't know. But in the end you're going you're going to get a bigger T V contract out of it. In the end, you're going to. Not maybe today. But I think you're going to get more. I mean, in fact, I think it's a lock you're going to get more TV money out of this in 2025. But again, that's 2025. That's four-plus years away. But I think you've got to change the dynamic of the sport. Right now, the sport has become stayed, stale. You already have an image of, well, obviously it had been a cut down in bowl games, but like, for example, the Duke's Mayo Bowl was played this afternoon. All right, good game. 
42 to 28. Wisconsin won it. You got the Cotton Bowl tonight, Florida against Oklahoma. It's on ESPN. And I've done three of the New Year's Six games in the last five years. Now, the Rose Bowl is the Rose Bowl. And thus, the ratings on that were off the chart. The ratings were really good for the Fiesta Bowl when Penn State played Washington, and they were really good for the Cotton Bowl when Penn State played Memphis. But the attendance, okay, the Rose Bowl was sold out. The Fiesta Bowl was close. I think the Fiesta Bowl was maybe 6,000 seats short. But the Cotton Bowl last year was the lowest attended Cotton Bowl in 20 years. With all due respect, part of that is uh, the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex, and part of it is... Now, the Memphis fans, they showed up in droves, but a lot of them came in the day of the game. It's not the shortest of drives from Memphis to Dallas or to Arlington, but it's short enough where a lot of people either came in the night before or uh, came in the day of. But something has to change. And there are arguments that are made about this that over the years have been ridiculous. One of them is you can't have a playoff because of the academics. Uh, um, Nobody's in school right now. All the finals are over with. Penn State's not restarting until January 19th. Now, in this particular year, they're starting a week later, but still. College football rarely affects academics. Rarely. Games are played on Saturday. A road game, you travel on Friday night. Classes are over. You don't miss class. You don't miss classes unless you have a Friday night game. If you have a Friday night game, then you have to miss Friday classes, obviously. I'm talking about if you happen to be the road team. During the course of a basketball season, classes are missed. Now, they wouldn't be missed right now, but I can tell you over and over again, you know, you got to miss a day here, got to miss a day there because you're playing literally all seven days of the week in a college basketball season. Not all the games are Saturday and Sunday. You can, If you have a Saturday game, you can get out later Friday after classes are over with if your players have classes so you don't miss that day. But game road games during the week, well, they play every. They play literally every day. I mean, every once in a while you'll get a season where there's a day of the week you don't end up playing. It happens. But last year, well, last year was a good example. Penn State played literally all seven calendar days of the week last year. They played a Friday game. They played a Thursday game. They played a Wednesday game. They played, you know, some, you know, now, half are at home and half are on the road, but still somebody was missing classes as the road team. Somebody was, Monday through Friday. And you never know with weather. 
especially in the winter, where, yeah, you played on a Sunday, and there's bad weather, and you had to miss Monday classes because you're traveling back. That happens, too. Football doesn't run into that. So if you had to suddenly have a couple of days where you had to miss something, it is a rarity in college football. Many, many seasons, there has not been a single class day missed by Penn State. Not a single one with football. Zero. Now, the question would be expanding the playoff. Well, I, I picked 12. The reason I picked now, because 16 sounds too big, even though it would be numerically logical to do it, but I went with 12. That way you would have an opening weekend. Pick whatever weekend that is. And in that opening weekend, which I don't know, maybe it's maybe it's the weekend right around Christmas. Okay, let's just let's pick it. Where you play four games. Eight teams are involved out of the twelve. The top four get a bye. And you play in the Citrus Bowl, because I know how badly they'd want the game. You could play maybe in the Outback Bowl, because I know how badly they would want the game. Man, I could see Las Vegas saying, hey, let's go in on this thing. Play at the Death Star. Hey, play where the Raiders play. Hey, let's, let's do that. I could see that them bidding for it, for example. And let's see, what would be another place that would badly want a game? Let's see. Orlando, I mean, obviously the Gator Bowl would go after it, too, in Jacksonville. I mean, so those would be, or Los Angeles. Los Angeles might want it, but of course they already have the Rose Bowl, but I'm saying where the Rams play. But I'm just throwing out some examples here. Or the Holiday Bowl, something. All right. And there, now you've got people locked in, because the four winners are moving on to face those top four teams the next weekend. And those top four teams the next weekend, now let's just pick, let's just take the current rotation as it is. It would the, the top four teams would have been playing New Year's Day, whatever, in the Cotton Bowl, the Peach Bowl, the Orange Bowl, and the Fiesta Bowl. Because in this particular year, the semifinals would be the Sugar and the Rose. You don't think people are now locked into this thing? And now you carry it over to the next weekend with the two semifinals, which carries to the final? All the conference champions need to get in. I'm talking about Power Five. It opens the door for Group of Five, and it opens the door for teams that have had really good years. And I don't want to hear about, oh, a good team's getting in, not a great team. You know, enough's enough. Every year we get the same essential pool of teams. Every year. Alabama's been in every year but one. Clemson's been in every year. Ohio State's been in more often than not. Okay, now Notre Dame's making its, what, second appearance? LSU's made one. Georgia's made one. Michigan State's made one. And Washington's made one. Okay? But there's not, you know, and of course Oklahoma's been in a few times. 
But even when, you know, and I realize that some of finals have not been competitive, but I think it would create more competition. There's nothing like the momentum of winning a playoff game where you roll into the next weekend and you got momentum. The other team's been, yeah, the other team rested, so that's a plus, but at the same time, you're playing and you're sharp. And I think you'd A, have attendance. Now, here's the difficult part. Fans would be like, hey, am I going to go week to week to week? I mean, I don't know if I can afford to like buy tickets for three straight games. That I understand. That I understand. But this is where a lot of corporate sponsorship comes in. And you'd have corporate sponsors getting involved in this. You might need corporate sponsors more than ever on something like this. The corporate sponsors might need these games more than ever out of this. Reason being, we're trying to get the country back on track. People have to know who's out there. Open up. That's open up again. But you have, obviously, so that's one area. I mean, do you want to go week to week to week? Do you make it? Do you roll the dice and say, hey, you know, I've looked at the pathway. If they win, they go to the Fiesta Bowl. I'm not going to go to the first one, but I'm going to go to that one. You know, so I mean, I realize there's that. But the TV ratings, I think, would be sky high. And I think the greater potential is there for a distribution of talent. Because now it's across the board. And now you have the whole country involved. One thing about the NCAA basketball tournament, oh, there's too many teams, it's 68. All right, so 68, great. Okay, so it's 68 out of 353. All right, 68 out of 353. That means 285 don't make it. Okay, again, I've mentioned many times, I can do math too. Okay, 285 teams don't make the NCAA basketball tournament. Only 68 do. I'm talking here about 12 teams out of 130. I'm talking 9%. The NBA playoffs is 16 out of 30. Stanley Cup playoffs are 16 out of currently 31, soon to be 32. The NFL is 14 out of 32. Okay, This would be 12 out of 130. Western Michigan went to the Cotton Bowl in 2016 and played Wisconsin. Well, guess what? Western Michigan was undefeated going into that game. It would have been West Virginia. It would have been Western Michigan's shot of being in the in the tournament, being in the playoff. All this yapping about UCF for a couple of years. Guess what? They would have been in the tournament. All right, Cincinnati. A lot of yapping about them this year. Guess what? They would have been in the tournament. And there are others. Boise State. A couple of years they could have been in the tournament. And the door is open for. Boise State, for example, to beat Oklahoma, like they did in the Fiesta Bowl, which excited a lot of people. 
Well, that potential's there like the NCAA basketball tournament. Now, maybe you still end up with Alabama playing Clemson, but you now feel like there's been a distribution across the board. You now feel that in recruiting, you can go out and say, look, we're one of the playoff teams and we're trying to get over the top. Instead of being the team that you know just missed, can't quite get there, You know, how do we get to that last hurdle, the whole thing? I think the opportunity to spread the talent out. And then the last argument, which to me is, a, is just a, a stale argument, it would take away from the regular season. In what way? How many teams are out of it September 30th? How many teams are out of it October 31st? The number of teams that are, quote, in it on November 1st is a very small pool. If you have 12 schools vying for this, knowing that there are going to be seven at-large bids, now you know the group of five will get one, so let's realistically say six, okay? Six at-large bids. You don't have people playing all over the country trying to win their way into this thing in November. And geographically, you wouldn't be cutting off half the country. Right now, the furthest west any team is in the college football playoff in this particular year happens to be South Bend, Indiana. Not exactly representing the Central, Mountain, or Pacific time zones. Now, Alabama, I should point out, is in the, in the Central time zone, but South Bend is not. But that's the furthest west. Really? You have Tuscaloosa, Alabama, Clemson, South Carolina, Columbus, Ohio, South Bend, Indiana. All right, the South and the North are represented. Nobody in the West is represented. Nobody. So would a good team get in? Sure. A not-great team get in? Sure. But once the games start, people lock in on the games. You're, you're in a playoff. People want games with stakes. And players opting out? There's never been a player that's opted out of a playoff game in college football. You'd have 12 schools with all the top talent vying for this thing, and my guess is there would be no opt-outs. All right, we'll come back with more in a moment. King is with us tomorrow. Matt returns as well on News Radio 1070 WKOK, brought to you by Sunbury Motors. Just sit right back and you'll hear yes. the tale of Don of Wells passed away trip. today, played Marianne Summers on Gilligan's Island in the 60s, like I want to say 64 to 67, something like that. The show endures forever and ever. I know TBS carried it forever. Now TV Land has it. I uh, had the privilege of meeting her once and could not have been, and I'm talking about like meeting her. I don't mean like, hey, how you doing? I had a chance to talk to her for a while. And um, she was uh, in that one meeting 
Couldn't have been any nicer. Pure class. So. Yep. In fact, that last part, the first year that they had the show, the Professor and Marianne. Yes, they said, and all the rest. Went, <laughs> right, and the rest. <laughs> and uh, 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 Don Wells and um, oh, what was Johnson's first name? Uh, Russell. Russell Johnson were furious about it, and they went there, and they said, hey, look, guys, we're on the island, too, and we have lines. And the next year, they put it... In fact, what really helped them is they got a lot of mail. Now, back then, you got mail. It wasn't email or Twitter or anything like that. You got a lot of mail. And they got a lot of mail saying, hey, what are you doing? These two people are on the island. But I found her to be incredibly intelligent and very, very classy. Now, again, that's from one opportunity to meet her. I know she ran an acting camp, wrote several books, and tomorrow the king will be here. I've had more than chance encounters with the king. We'll be picking NFL games this weekend. Looking forward to that. We'll have a lot of fun on tomorrow's show. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, tomorrow is the last day of 2020. Woohoo! Chad, thanks for being here today. Good to be here. Happy New Year to you, Steve. Happy New Year to you. All this brought to you by Sunbury Motors.